Powered by Adept Packaging. This is the Inside the Box with Jared Spencer podcast. Bringing together top packaging professionals to share insight and knowledge on all things packaging. Now, introducing your host, Jared Spencer. Well, thank you, Tiffany, for, for joining us today. And I'm really excited to have you on to talk about Loop. So I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I love spreading the message about circular economies. Well, actually, we can just even jump right in. Like, what is a circular economy and kind of where does Loop play a role in that? Sure. So a circular economy is rather than designing things to have an end of life, like in a landfill, it's designing products so that they loop back around into back into their initial purpose. So it's creating a circular rhythm with products that exist and bringing them back to life and giving them another life. So at least when I first came across Loop is when, you know, the big announcement at Davos, that was what, about a year ago? Has that been a year or just even less than that? It was January of 2019, a little less than a year. Awesome. And then, so it sounds like what initial markets were New York and Paris with the initial two? Yeah, so we've expanded a little bit beyond New York City. So it's whatever within a day's delivery of New Jersey. So basically, it's a lot of the East Coast, so spanning from Boston to D.C., essentially, and then also in the Paris area, Paris, France area. But we just announced a new plan to expand in the U.K. early next year, and then beyond that, we're going to be expanding to Germany, Japan, and Australia. Oh, and Canada, too. Awesome. Yeah, it's up in Toronto, right? Or Toronto area? Yep, up in Toronto. And then we also have some plans for expansion within the U.S. So we'll be in retail stores on the West Coast and also have the online shipping service available to the West Coast sometime next year. Perfect. So what what kind of launched the idea of Looper? What are you guys trying to sort of accomplish with that? Sure. So for those not familiar with TerraCycle, TerraCycle is a global recycling company that figures out solutions for hardware materials. So I've been working for TerraCycle for over 10 years, and TerraCycle has been a company for over 15 years now. So TerraCycle focuses on hard-to-recycle waste like cigarette butts, potato chip bags, chewing gum, dirty diapers, like all the weird things that don't have a municipal recycling solution. So it's great that we have things in place that where we can solve for all of those weird materials. But our CEO, Tom, was looking beyond that. It's like, okay, so that's the solution for things that already exist. But what about envisioning a world where things don't become waste, like thinking back from the packaging side of things, like before you're creating this packaging that will need to figure out a way to be recycled, what if there was a way to create it so it was reused over and over so it didn't need to be processed at the end of the life, if it could just get cleaned and refilled and put back into the system? You know, we kind of took a look at basically reinventing the milkman is what a lot of people kind of compare this to. I like to think of it now as like the milk person or the milk woman. And kind of re-looking at that and figuring out how to use online technologies and new things that exist today and making the milk, the milkman system better. So that's kind of where we started. Yeah, I think I saw something that's kind of interesting of the, the different thinking of changing the packaging just from commodity, just from a, a material into an asset. If you can switch it over to something that, that, like I said, is reusable and can be used over and over, it's a completely different way to think about the packaging process. Yeah, exactly. So it's like by rethinking your packaging in this system where it could be cleaned each time and reused, 
you can essentially put more money into the package because when you're extrapolating the cost of the packaging, you divide it out over 100 uses versus just one use. So it's shifting the thinking of taking the packaging as the one-time use and the amount of money that goes into it that one time and it's dividing it out over the course of a lifetime. So if a package is designed to be used 100 times or more, you can spend a whole lot more on that package because the price per use is small. Yeah, exactly. And to me, it's interesting how you, you know, when you look back, especially if you look at beverages, we started out in glass. It was was really heavy glass, really reusable. And over time, in terms of the lightweighting and the different packaging optimization network that gets done, it's gotten into definitely less material, but the recyclability of that, how it affects the environment long-term has kind of gone on the wayside as they just try to make those packages cheaper and cheaper and more optimal to, to shift through the supply chain. Yeah, and there are a lot of benefits to lightweighting. I think the statistics that I've read, it's like one or two in 10 soda bottles, which are easy to recycle, only one or two in 10 get recycled. So by lightweighting, you're actually creating less material that ends up in landfill. But, you know, the long-term effects, we all know plastics don't necessarily break down and they get into our waterways. So really rethinking that and figuring out just a way to kind of bring it back to the initial glass that it was packaged in can create a lot of benefits. I think it's a much nicer use to like drink a beverage out of a glass container than, you know, like out of pouches that we have now. And also you can add features into containers when you can spend more money on them. You know, absolutely. I'm a, personally, I always think everything tastes better in a glass as well. So it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of funny you mentioned that. We actually do some consumer testing around that and, and delighting the consumer that, that glass does seem kind of be a preferred mechanism for that. So really where I think, so like I said, a lot of our audience are in the packaging engineers and, and packaging function. You guys could talk about how it, you know, fundamentally changes the ownership of packaging. Can you talk a little bit about like what that means to the brand and as a packaging engineer, like what that looks like. Sure. So by, by switching the ownership of the package, the consumer, they don't really want the package most of the time. They want the product that's inside. The package just needs to be a way to deliver it to the consumer safely. Like, you know, you need to get your shampoo. It can't just be like a goopy liquid. But they don't really want that container, and then they have to figure out what to do with it at the end. So in the loop system, you actually have this package that the consumer just puts a deposit down on. They don't own it. They use the product inside and then they deliver it back to us to have it cleaned and then sent back to the initial company that filled the package. So in the example of shampoo, like we'll use Pantene, who is on the Loop system, Loop from Procter & Gamble. Pantene essentially had to shift their thought process to rethinking what it meant to have these disposable containers. And it took buy-in at a very high level in order to make this work. And, you know, we partnered with some of the biggest companies out there from Procter & Gamble to Pepsi to Unilever and a number of others as well. And that's really what's going to make the loop system work, having a lot of different types of one-stop shops for this refillable service. What really impressed me the most, and even like I said around that Davos announcement, the, the amount of media placement, the amount of impressions, the amount of coverage that this has gotten. And obviously we're a ton of different locations and a ton of different clients that we're talking to and loop and sort of certainly this type of packaging is it's certainly like a new, it's not new, but it's, it's definitely new to the discussion. It's pretty impressive the amount of sort of engagement that you guys have been able to drive. 
Yeah, thanks. We're excited that the message is getting out there. And I think it really shows that this is the time for a loop. Like I think 15 years ago when TerraCycle started, we needed to start with the low hanging fruit at that time, which is garbage is an issue, but like what are things we can do to solve the current situation? But now that we have some experience and TerraCycle has grown as a company, we can incubate this loop concept. And we're a company that's, you know, grown quite a bit since then. I think when I started, we had about 25 people who worked here in Trenton, and now we've expanded globally. And I think we have over 300 employees now, so tenfold. And I think that shows too how these large conglomerates have realized that by buying into this TerraCycle and Loop idea, it really shows that in 10, 20 years, they can't really be a business if they're continuing to package things in these disposable packages. We really need to think to the future and figure out how to solve this waste. Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of interesting on our part, from a debt packaging point of view, we get brought in as consultants quite a bit on projects. And, you know, for a while we get brought in just, you know, for sustainability. And the last few conversations that I've had with, with clients and prospective clients is, you know, sustainability isn't necessarily a thing. It's just a way of doing business now. So it used to sort of be the standalone, hey, we need to think about sustainability or sustainability projects. Now, any new product development, any packaging innovation, sustainability is just becoming part of the process. So it's kind of shifted from the outside into sort of standard operating procedure of, you know, we need to be thinking about how can we be sustainable and, and be more sustainable in our packaging choices. Yeah. And I know a lot of companies like 10 years ago, when I started, we didn't have a director of sustainability position at a lot of companies. And now that's kind of a norm. And yeah, I know packaging companies like Adept are starting to make that instrumental in the decisions that you're making. So my understanding on Loop, there's two different models that you know customers can use or clients can use, the, the standalone and the integrated model. Can you talk a little bit more about, about those models and kind of what the actual process looks like? Yeah, absolutely. So the standalone model is the online system. So basically... Anybody who's within the region of delivery, you fill up your shopping cart online and then you check out and you get a shipping tote along with whatever products you ordered shipped to you. You put a deposit down on each of the products and then there's a small deposit on the durable reusable shipping tote as well. You have this at home, you use your products, you put empties back in the shipping tote, you flip the label over and put it back to get it, we check in all the packages, you get all the deposits credited back to your account, and all the packages get cleaned, sent back to the manufacturer, refilled, and they go back into the loop. So that's how the standalone model works right now. And as I mentioned, we're on the East Coast in the U.S. and then in France, and then we'll be expanding to the West Coast sometime in 2020. So that's the standalone model. On the integrated or in-store model, we don't have any open locations right now, but we have plans to have store locations sometime in 2020. And we already have partnerships announced with Kroger and Walgreens in the U.S. And then we have Carrefour and Tesco over in Europe. Can you talk a little bit more about the in-store? So to me, I think that's sort of the missing piece. Or to me, I think that's going to be really crucial in seeing the scale, you know, is as myself as a consumer, can I walk into a store, see the product side by side? My understanding is it'd be relatively saving cost, you know, minus the deposit. I really see that sort of driving the consumer engagement. So is the way that, that any store will take those returns back or how, do, how does the return back, you know, to a, a Kroger or a, how does that process? That's a great question. 
So in the in-store model, it's going to be similar to the online model. The same products will be available. They'll be on a shelf in a store, probably in a designated loop section. So consumers can go in the store, take whatever products they want. At checkout, they'll be charged their deposit. And then once they get their products home, they'll use up the products, and then they'll bring their empties back to the store to get their deposit returned to them. So in states that have things like a bottle bill, you know, a lot of consumers are already familiar with return kiosks. So it'll be some combination of areas that you can return your container and you get a credit for every container that you bring back. So Adepta as a certified loop partner, so we actually have quite a bit of the packaging here and, you know, I've seen some of it certainly and some of the packaging is really, really interesting and attractive. Is it the way it's set up now, you know, as a consumer, there's some of these packages that I, I would just literally keep and not put back into the system. <laughs> so how does that, I guess it's just covered in the deposit? Yeah, so the deposit basically covers the cost of the package. So if it doesn't get returned and just gets reused around the house, then that's fine too. So the cost of the package is covered in that. So people can reuse them. We're just glad to see it get reused in any way it can. But the intent is really to deliver it back so we can refill it, clean it, and, and have it go back in the system. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about a little bit of, you know, I think you call it test and learn, kind of the process of creating durable packaging and kind of walk us through that side of it. Sure. So on the design side, my team is responsible for all of the assets and and guiding our brand partners on the packaging side of things. So that's where we create strategic partnerships like with Adept so we can help refer, you know, our brand partners. They might not have like an in-house packaging department, so they're looking for an agency to help them. So we create strategic partners like with Adept and others to help guide that. And then on anything that we need to make the system work, like the shipping tote, any kind of like little small items bag so your stuff doesn't roll around in there, like the internal grid system, pool chambers, my team, you know, takes a look at that and figures out new designs. So in the case of the loop shipping tote, that's the biggest order we had to place in order to get the system working. We came up with a number of criteria of what the shipping tote had to do in order to deliver these products. And just to kind of break it down on the shipping tote, like we had to make a system that basically replaced the cardboard box held up to at least 30 shipping cycles. All the components had to be reusable, easy to clean and repair. It protected the contents inside. So we didn't want to have any additional like packaging, bubble wrap or, or anything else inside. We wanted to use recycled content wherever possible. And then all of the packaging needed to be recyclable at the end of the life. So that's kind of where we started. And we went through a lot of iterations there, but um, you know, we looked at different colors, we looked at different sizes, and a lot of it kind of dictated itself. Some people have said that the size is a little big, and, and I'm actually a Loop customer too, and I don't disagree with that. But the size was actually dictated because we needed to put a cooling chamber inside for all of our frozen and chilled products. So like our Haagen-Dazs, our Tropicana orange juice, we needed to be able to deliver those products, cold or frozen, depending on what product it is, to the customer. So we needed durable, reusable cooling chamber to go inside. So, you know, it was kind of dictated by the wall thickness of the cooling chamber and the reusable frozen plates called eutectic plates that go inside. So we didn't want gel packs that were single use. You know, we wanted 
the whole system to be durable. That's kind of where we started and then figured out like what colors worked, what kind of features we wanted to build into the packaging, how we wanted it to look. Loop has a little bit of a playful style. And of course, you know, we have the arrows that we always play with on there. So so that's kind of how the, the look and feel came about with, with the Loop shipping tote. Yeah, and, and as you kind of mentioned a little bit, you know, you can do the cold chain side of it. You know, Hagadash is obviously a big partner. I think that was one of the first ones that I saw was around the ice cream package, which is also one of the ones that I would steal from the system as well. It's a really, really interesting package. <laughs> I mean, if you can talk about a little bit of the packaging development around specifically for ice cream, which kind of think is a unique category. Yeah, I do think that the, I agree with you. The ice cream package is, is one of the coolest. I also like puns around the office. So it's cool, not just in the design, but in the, you know, temperature. So basically that kind of designed itself in a way too. haagen the way they fill their package, they need to flash freeze it. So they fill it in the filling line and then they have to make it cold right away. So they were looking at double walled thermoses essentially. But the problem was, was when it's double walled, you can't flash freeze it. It doesn't get cold enough. Once it's cold, it doesn't uh, heat up to room temperature as fast. So they like that benefit, but they needed to figure out a way to find this balance between the flash frozen of the product and how to make it work with the packaging and, and adding the feature to the customer that it stays cold for longer in this package. So basically what they did is they kind of came up with this like double threaded container with an outer shell, like the inner shell, and then the lid. So it's, it's basically a three-part package. And they had to go through a lot of process as well. I think one of the first samples we received, the thread went in the same direction. So you ended up unscrewing the outer piece, which consumers shouldn't actually take off. And I think we were doing some consumer insight testing and somebody got one and it took them like an hour to let it cool to a cold enough room temperature so that they could like actually unscrew it. It was like doing too good of a job. So in their next iterations, they reversed the thread. So the outer shell threads go one way and then the inner where you just unscrew the cap goes the way that it typically does. So that was really neat. And they had to go through a couple of other iterations. Like they tried some different textures on the container, but in the end, the bottom of the container is always the same style. And then the lid is what has the flavor on it. So the body, you know, they can swap that out as much as they want, but the lid is unique to what gets packaged inside. You know, I thought it was really clever design, how they clearly it was, it was thought out, you know, when, you know, initially the loop launch, certainly there was a good amount of stock packaging, I think as the brands are trying to figure it out now, and as we're seeing more and more product come out, there's definitely much more thought and, and energy to be put into, you know, customized packaging specifically for this channel. Right. Yeah. A lot of our brand partners did a lot of custom packs. Some of them actually launched in stock packs, like things that they found kind of off the shelf and just customized the graphics on the outside because that was what was easiest to get them to launch. And now that we've gotten them into launch, they're all looking at their version 2.0 of packaging and really like revving up the different types of features that they could add into the packaging and really increase consumer delight. Yeah. So obviously, you know, so we're talking to packaging engineers here, there's, there's certain requirements and certain certain things that the packaging needs to, to do to make it through the process. So obviously the, the two big things are the, the cleaning and labeling. So what are, what are some of those requirements or what are some of that uh, 
limitations around what, what the package needs to be. On the cleaning side of things, our team kind of came up with some specifics and we worked, you know, with the FDA to find out what the regulations are in order to have a safe product in a system. It's kind of similar to what you have, I think, in a lot of like industrial restaurant settings where the containers have to withstand a cleaning temperature of at least 180 without deformation. So that kind of ruled out a lot of the plastics that we would use. Like I remember we kind of knew PEP wasn't going to be good for the system, but we put it through some wash tests and it came back looking like it was just like the cylindrical container, kind of soda bottle-like, but it came back looking like a pickle, how it had all deformed. So early on, we've been working on Loop about two years prior to our launch in Davos. So we had a lot of learnings from our system and, and figuring things out and figuring out the rules and regulations behind it. Also in our cleaning system, like we have some other requirements, like the mouth opening needs to be at least three quarters of an inch in diameter. That's so that the spray nozzles can get up in there and fully clean out the insides. We've done a lot of testing on inks and labelings and for permanent labels, like the lid of the Haagen-Dazs container, the inks need to be set with a curing process, like a heat or a UV process so that it doesn't come off in our wash cycles. And then as far as the labeling goes, we recommend like a BOPP label that goes on the outside and our partners can decide whether they want that label to be removed each time or if they want it pretty permanently adhered. And we can recommend adhesives that go along with that. And just walking through that process. So what Loop does and kind of the value Loop brings into this chain, you guys are doing the initial cleaning of, of the packaging. So the brand owner would, would get back a clean product and prior to them putting it in line that they would sterilize that in their current equipment. But you're, you're doing the initial clean is a product that we could do, correct? Yeah, in order to minimize water waste, we do all of our cleaning in an airtight room or a clean room. And basically it goes back into a package that will be sealed and secure and it gets packaged in that clean room. So it can go back to the brand partner and get refilled straight from that packaging. Perfect. Well, one of the other kind of, as we got into like design, the actual aesthetics of it, what I found interesting as well was, uh, I think you call it, you know, design for aging gracefully. You know, I think that's a totally different mindset of, you know, typically packaging designed to look good once. Um, so so what, kind of what are the different ideas you've seen or what are some of the suggestions you have for sort of the aging gracefully and, and sort of the packaging design? The aging gracefully is, is a lot of what our brand partners are considering for like their next version of their pack. So some of the cool things, um, Lore, one of our coffee partners over in Europe, is made out with a glass bottle. There's some areas that are exposed where it'll actually hit up against some of the other glass bottles and kind of wear away. And where it's embedded with a logo, the logo will actually become more visible over use. And I think that's a lot of what's really cool about the character of these loop containers. Like they're going to have dents, but that kind of adds to the, to the beauty of the packaging. I mean, I know I have a water bottle that's been with me through a lot of hikes and, you know, adventures. And I can remember times when I dropped it on a trail or something like that, and it got some dents and scrapes on it. And that's kind of the history of that container that tells a story. So I think that's some of the benefits that, that our brand partners are starting to explore. 
some idea starters that we give them as they're designing their next packages is to look at some of materials that actually do wear over time and it you know goes along with that aging gracefully that you mentioned so like patinas on copper and bronze we found an example of something that has coffee system it. it like stains on the inside of the package and you print with like a mat and then uh, a shiny coating the coffee absorbs into the matte finish and it actually becomes more clear whatever is printed on there becomes more clear over time some of our early prototypes of our loop shipping tote we put like a wax canvas we put the loop logo in a wax canvas imprint and the idea was that it would wear more over time so we're experimenting with that as we come out with our next loop package but right now we just have like the logo printed on front and we're exploring different ways to kind of include them aging gracefully over time yes yeah, all sounds great so as a package engineer or a brand like what how do they get in touch or how do they get sort of integrated into the loop program Oh, sure. So, I mean, if there are brand partners out there, getting in touch with our business development team is a, a great place to start. And for any packaging engineers looking to, to get involved with us, I think we have quite a few partnerships there, but, you know, we're always open to looking at new and innovative companies and they could get in touch with us through the Loop website. That's great. Well, Thank you again for, for joining 